Welcome back to another episode of Exposing Ourselves. This is episode nine, and this is the show where we expose each other to new things. Matt, a big music fan, will assign me one of his favorite albums or playlists to listen to each week, and I, a movie buff, will give him one of my favorite films, and we come together on this podcast to discuss it all. I'm Travis Ritchie, and with me, as always, is my good friend, Matt Runquist. In today's episode, we're going to discuss the movie Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, and the playlist, which consists of one song called The Dead Flag Blues by Godspeed, You Black Emperor. Hey, Matt. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I, You know what? I've been, at the first few episodes, I was trying to call you a different uh, way to describe you as my friend, and I had something today, but I I, I can't remember what it was. So, uh, you know what, my though? My good friend you are. Good friend is the best descriptor. Good friend. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's interesting when you, when I think of you as merely my good friend. Oh. Oh, merely my good friend. He's posh. only my good friend. Pish posh. Oh, oh, I know what I was going to do. I was going to call you my hetero life mate. And then oh. I realized I don't know. Do you know that reference? Heterosexual life mate? Uh, yeah. Well, the, specifically it, hetero life mate. It's from a movie. Oh, I did not. probably seen. I, I did not know that. What is it from? It's from Clerks. Oh, duh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's funny yeah, because I did used side to. Jo- uh, side I Joe Bob. Did Silent used Bob. to have a uh, friendship oh, here Matt. in Milwaukee. Uh, and we referred to each other as heterosexual life mates. But it turned out that oh, we. Nice. Well, I mean, except it's no longer a friendship, so that's awkward. Oh, oh, that's that's a shame. Really should have referred uh, man, to ourselves. My, as I have our, already. Oh, <laughs> I really what? should have referred to ourselves as like heterosexual four-year mates. I guess. Yeah, partners. You know, partners is a is a non-delineated yeah, uh, amount go. of time. Yeah, and uh, I like that. Uh, man, I, I have already uh, established that my brain is a little bit wonky. Uh, based on not only the multiple times we've tried to open this episode that won't be audible to viewers, but also this discussion of of you being my uh, my good friend. Uh, but I uh, <laughs> I will I will say I will not apologize because they said never apologize in advance. But I will say that uh, I am woefully um, underslept. I am sleep deprived this week. Uh, it has been a long week, and I've only had two days of the seven that I've had an adequate amount of sleep. So. Um, so yeah, there's that. (laughs) Well, I've been having a little trouble sleeping myself lately and I have no obvious cause. I've been waking up in the Mm. middle of the night for like hours and then eventually falling back asleep. But, uh, yeah, so I'm not super sleep deprived right now, but that feels very random in a half an hour. I could try anything for that. Like, do you take melatonin or something? I took melatonin once, but I think I'm such a horrible caffeine addict that melatonin can't touch me it's like i have like oh, a, interesting i have like a, a perfect caffeine shield around me at all times <laughs> a caffeine it, force field around like, your brain it's like in a fighting game when they have like the the little flashing lights yeah. like preventing anyone from touching you for a certain amount of time yes. that's basically how me and caffeine are the, the inv- this caffeine is your invincibility star yeah i um I, I, you know, I used to have a very heavy caffeine addiction, uh, nice and healthy, especially after I moved to L.A. I went to work for Starbucks and all that free coffee. I was drinking about a pot a day, oh my. which is, a, a for reference, uh, four grande mugs of coffee um, a day. And now, is grande small, sugar. medium, or large? That's a medium at That's Starbucks. Medium. It's okay, a 16-ounce, so like four 16-ounce cups of coffee. Oh, my gosh. And uh, I... 
I realized that I was addicted because I would wake up and if I didn't have my coffee by like noon, I would get a headache. Mm. And I didn't like the idea that I was addicted to something, anything. And I, I don't do any other substances. Like I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't, you know, do, do any drugs. And so, um, and you shouldn't either, kids. And I, so I cut <laughs> myself back to half a pot a day. And I was pretty comfortable with that. And I would allow myself like a, a third cup if I really needed it. And then I started cold brewing my coffee a few years ago. And about the same time, I was trying to shift to being more vegetarian, not not vegan, but, you know, close. And my digestion was a little wonky. And it's always <laughs> been that way. I've never really been able to, you know, uh, figure that out. Um, and so my doctor was like, well, maybe you should cut back on your caffeine. I was like, I'm already down to like two cups. Mm-hmm. And so I, what I did was I cut my beans that I was using to make my cold brew with half decaffeinated beans. Ugh. And so, no, they're actually not bad. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I do the decaf Sumatra from Starbucks, and it's uh, I really like it. And you know, decaf gets a bad rap from uh, way back in the 80s when decaf really was, like, noticeably different from, yes. from like, regular yes. coffee. But they nowadays, use a bunch of different yeah. new... Mm-hmm. They use a bunch of different new uh, uh, methods for getting it to be decaf, and it's pretty it's, – it's fine. It's good. And I really liked being able to have uh, a cup of coffee at night if I wanted to have a coffee, and I could just have one without feeling like I was messing up my sleep. Yeah. But I don't think that's why I'm not sleeping. Uh, and it's not that I'm having trouble sleeping. It's that I have to get up so early for work, mm. and uh, and then I'm up late, like – Tomorrow night uh, is Monday night, and I have an improv class that goes until 10 p.m. Oh, my. In Hollywood. And then from there, I have to get home, which usually takes an hour, hour and a half, eat some dinner, maybe, and then go to bed. And then I usually have like a 7 a.m. call time, which means getting up at 6. And so those are the reasons. Yeah. And that was all last week. Just a lot of early call times. Um, Saturday, I I was working on a show. Uh, and my call time was 6.30 a.m., and I didn't know ahead of time where we were filming until the night before, and it turned out that it was going to require like an, a 50-minute bike ride to get there. So I had to wake up at like 5 a.m., and it was obnoxious. Wow, that's when I get up, Travis. Do you really wake up that early, regularly? Uh, I wake up between 5 and 6 without an alarm. Wow, that's yeah. I, I, that is not me, man. I've, I've never been... That's the biggest reason I didn't do well in college the first time around because an eight o'clock class was, you know, this might be just an internet meme, but I've always been fond of the one that goes around that talks about how back in the, uh, you know, pre prehistoric times, people were needed to stay, stay up through the night, right. To watch the, you know, to watch the fire and watch for wild animals and things like that. And so, and, and other people were needed for those early mornings for the same reason. Right. And so there really evolved a variety of people to, you know, some people. So the night owl and morning person thing is like, has like its basis in sort of evolutionary fact. I have no idea if that's true, but it's an internet meme. I read it on Facebook. Yeah. So as you know, I it's really true. like it. And it, you know what? That is very appealing. If I'm giving yeah. it just a moment of thought, it doesn't seem likely. Like evolutionarily speaking, 
<laughs> because the right. the amount of time that that could be a thing kind of pales in the um, in the length of time that humans have been evolving in general. I don't know, man. Uh, I don't know. I like it. Well, now we're going to have to do some research. Oh, yes. Which means Googling. Well, yes, just ask, Googling. let's just ha- ask Hank Green. He'll, he'll get to the bottom of it for us. Yeah. Do you know Hank yeah. Green? I do know Hank Green, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, he'll do I it. mean, not personally. No. Well, I, don't I know, know him like, personally. We're not pals. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know him personally. Um, all right. Well, hey, man, should we get into it? Sure, let's get into it. Let's switch it up this week. Oh, and do the movie and do the movie first. <laughs> I thought I thought you were going to do the same thing where let's switch it up and do the music first. Uh, the Never. movie. So uh, the movie yeah. that I assigned you was uh, Jumanji, I, and I, this is honestly a kind of a a reaction of last week's episode. Uh, and I just wanted to um, maybe not last week's. What was last week? No, last week was Lion. Two weeks ago. Um, I. I still want to be like, I, I, I just need to take it easy on myself. So this I got to admit, movie. I found, I found it very interesting. You had not mentioned to me, but you mentioned in your Facebook status that Spider-Verse is your favorite movie now. Is that? No, true? no, 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 no. That was an embellishment oh. for Facebook. It's not my favorite oh, okay. movie, but I do. <laughs> okay. It is one of my favorites. It's probably in my okay. top 10 easy. And, um, okay. So anyway, but top ten movie. That, putting let's not bring up old let's not Your top open up old wounds. Uh, <laughs> the so I assigned you Jumanji: Return to the Jungle, which was a an interesting experience for me. I rewatched it this week as well, and but I want to talk to you about my my initial experience with this movie, which was I liked the original Jumanji with Robin Williams, and uh, and I. I loved the book as a kid. It was one of my favorite books. So I have a lot of like feels about Jumanji in general. And when this movie came out in 2017, I think it was, um, it was, it seemed like a cash grab. It's like, it was in the age of reboots. Let's reboot everything. And this movie seemed like, Oh my God, let's just, let's just put out a Jumanji movie because people know what it is and, and we'll make some money on it. And they did make some money on it. It made worldwide almost a billion dollars in the box office. Wow. And it's got Dwayne The Rock Johnson in it. It's got um, uh, Kevin Hart, who I am not typically a fan of. It's got uh, Jack Black, who is... Uh, in my brain, I don't like Jack Black, but I end up liking everything I see him in. So that's a weird thing. <laughs> um, and then Karen Gillan, who I was know just from... what you mean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then Karen yeah. Gillan from uh, Doctor Who, and also now she's in Guardians of the Galaxy as, um, as Nebula. And so she's in it. And I, the trailers were dumb. I wasn't expecting much. I don't know when I finally got myself to watch this movie, but when I did, I was shocked at how much I enjoyed it. Now, that's not to say it's great, in rewatching it, I've definitely discovered a lot of things that I was like, okay, uh, I don't know if that makes any sense, but there are still things I love about it. Anyway, so uh, the only other thing I will add that's interesting about this movie. <laughs> no, no, no. This is just backstory. It is the story was written and the script was co-written by Chris McKenna, who wrote for uh, and was one of the producers on Community. Uh, which is and one of the reasons why community was so much fun and so nerdy and and, and, and interesting. He wrote, uh, among other things, 
one of the episodes I was in, which was Chaos Theory, which is the creation of all the all the different universes using the dice when they're trying to figure out who goes to get the pizza. Anyway, that was a Chris McKenna episode that was Nebula Award nominated, if not winning. And he wrote this movie, among others. Matt, it's all you. Tell me what you thought of uh, Jumanji into uh, I quite the liked it. It was I I mean this is this is a really good this is a really good uh recommendation for sure. Um y- yeah, you're absolutely right. It's not great by any stretch of the imagination, but it's way better than it has to be. Um Yeah, I uh, think the that's ca- the thing, the ca- right? Yeah, it, it, this is definitely a movie that benefits from low expectations. Sure, yeah. Right. Uh, the you know the lower your expectations are going into this, the happier you're going to be. But by and large, the jokes land. Um, the plot makes sense. I feel like in terms of the thing, you know, it makes sense to me that Jumanji becomes a video game system because that is staying with the times, and that's you know Jumanji has this sort of. I, I, so I've never read the book, but Jumanji has like a a consciousness about it, right? Uh, I'm not sure exactly how that's dealt with, but um, you know the fact that it would become a video game makes perfect sense. The characters are interesting. I think the adult actors did a by and large great job of not just playing themselves, but playing the youthful figures inside of themselves yeah, yeah um, that was the most the enjoyable o- thing for me yeah the the only one that i'll really read on that front is kevin hart and i will say that kevin hart had the hardest job because his character his high school character was very very sketched out lightly i mean yeah. they're all sketched out stereotypes to a certain extent but that one is like the the fridge character is like dumb jock except the casting for that wasn't didn't really read as dumb jock to well, me and i don't think dumb jock is like the i thing. really understood that character at all and he didn't seem particularly unique in any way so when kevin hart basically kind of tosses most of that in the trash bin it's like okay yeah i mean i i yeah i don't i don't believe that there's a six four you know, large man inside of Kevin mm. Hart right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but by and large, everybody else did a great job. The rock was fantastic. Jack black was unreal. Good. Yeah. Like in a, in a movie with, uh, you know, really good casting throughout Jack black stands out as the standout of like stands out as the standout. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> this is professional amateur podcasting right here, folks. Uh, he he un, unreal performance from Jack Black as uh, is, I want to say Brittany is uh, the character's name. No, it's something along those. Yeah, lines. it's something uh, along those Bethany, lines. Bethany, Bethany, or Bethany. Brittany, that's or, Bethany. That's it. Yeah, just wow, wow, really, really good. Um, yeah, I, and I enjoyed it. It's really fun. It hangs together. It was good stuff. I was really, I really was shocked at uh, also the 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 deftness to which. You know, someone like Dwayne Johnson, who has a sense of humor, and he is, you know, but he he pretty much has a character that he does. And he he was playing almost a parody of that character in this movie. But for him to access that insecure, nerdy, uh, like dweeb part of himself somehow and bring that as uh, as the kind of the 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 core of this 
person that he's that he's acting as. Uh, and I thought everyone did that very well. Like uh, you know, and for Jack Black, like you mentioned, to be for for his core to be this very hot blonde girl, high school girl, Instagram influencer, you know, whatever, and for that to be his core with a Jack Black skin. And uh, and and all of them did it. Karen Gillan did it with Martha, who is the insecure, like uh, nevish girl, who is who who now wears this gorgeous like model action figure female body. And then uh, even Kevin Hart, like I, it's the most I've ever I've ever ever liked Kevin Hart in a thing. And wow. um, well, yeah, because he he did manage to do something interesting and and to uh, and some of the jokes really land like the fact that cake is his weakness is is hysterical yeah he uh some of the jokes uh well you know i i do think kevin hart is funny i have liked him in other things um you know i just felt like the if the brief was you have to embody the teenager inside of you i felt like he did the worst of the four of them yeah he didn't do nothing right he didn't you know he didn't like forget about it, but it just, it, uh, you know, everybody else was better. And I would and, say I would so blame that on his character. Yeah, I would blame that on his his real character, like his high school character, being underdeveloped more than that. That's what I was saying. You yeah. know, yeah. But yeah, I, uh, other than that, I mean, I actually felt Bobby Cannavale as the villain was was fairly blah. Like there was nothing there. Yeah, I didn't. I did not love the villain at all, and I felt like it was weirdly horror. Like it had been trucked in from another movie. He's got like uh, disgusting bugs crawling across his face and into his orifices. That's never really explained. Yeah, uh, like yeah, he's just kind of. But evil, he is just you know? the video game villain, and video game villains are do tend to be two dimensional. Right. Uh, no pen intended. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I just thought that was fairly interesting. Yeah. I mean, if I was, so if I'm going into my reads now of things that I didn't love. Okay. Um, the, so, okay. Everybody's got three lives, right? Right. And that's from a story length perspective. That makes sense. Uh, but from a video game perspective, it's extraordinarily restrictive. And then late in the movie, we meet, well, not late, halfway through the movie, we meet, the kid who's been trapped in the game. Right. Right. And he played here by Nick Jonas in his in game avatar. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was, that was interesting because the in game avatar is young, right? That, that, that threw me for a minute, right? Because everybody else is an adult and then, he's young and it's like why well, is he he's young however nick jonas is i mean but nick jonas he might be 30 by all for all i know i don't know yeah you know maybe yeah, he just seems young it, because we're old yeah it's possible but the i guess my point was was it it jarred me at first and then i realized oh the video game character is youthful and that's right. why he's youthful right well and um, so is karen gillen's character too she's young you know they're probably yeah. about the same age yeah um so the but anyways back back to the three lives thing so he when they meet him he's got like all this experience he's like oh that's a horrible way to die and blah 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 and he's like very you know like he knows all the tricks and the trades right but he's only lost two lives right yeah according to the to the movie and that doesn't make sense right because think about it Right. Like you're transported to this world. You don't know what the rules are. You're going to die once like as a fluke. Right. right? So really, he's only had one death 
where he was like trying and then and then he failed. Yeah. Right. So it felt like it, it just felt like the three lives thing was restrictive for the sake of the movie rather than something that would make sense for the story. Um, and I, you know, so I didn't love that yeah, right? that's, because that's because it, it yeah, it's it, like it's a nitpick, but it did make me go. Yeah. I mean, look, they're down to one life already. And yeah, you're going to get pretty freaking conservative when you <laughs> when you are down to one. Yeah. Life. yeah. Um, so the other let's see, what else did I have for reads? Kevin Hart, I didn't I didn't love, but he was fine. Um, the OK, so Karen Gillan, we need to talk about. We need to talk about this character. Oh, okay. Um, just just a little. Um, so you're familiar with the concept of fan service, sure. <laughs> okay. What? So this, <laughs> so this is a fan servicey character. Uh, she's wearing an extremely skimpy outfit, and the character that she is playing is deeply uncomfortable with that outfit. Right to the point where she asks Jack Black for. A, a cover-up and then ties it around her hips like why are you not wearing the cover-up as a cover-up oh because we have to yeah no that this like think about it from the perspective of a teenage girl that doesn't like displaying her body and is deeply uncomfortable why did she not just put the shirt on over herself okay i mean Maybe because the part of herself that she doesn't like the most is her legs. And if you have to choose between your legs and your midriff. <laughs> yeah, I think she did that because Karen Dillon is insanely hot well. and we like to look at her. And uh, again, like I I love to look at Karen Gillan. Like who doesn't, right? Um, but I mean, I, so first of all, I'm going to I'm going to say that from the from the plot of the mo- movie, uh, her character is the Lara Croft character. And Lara Croft famously won, wore very much that kind of outfit, and so yeah, they're no, poking I, fun at although that. Even, although even although Tomb Raider, uh, Lara Croft's belly is covered <laughs> in the movie or the like game? in the in the in the video game. Oh, is it? Uh, I would be willing to bet that not every iteration is like that. <laughs> I mean, there have been a lot I'm of versions. I'm referring to of... the original. I'm referring to the original. Well, the original was like 8-bit, so uh, <laughs> it's hard to see much of anything. It was, po- it was polygons. It was, I know, I know. Much. I'm just I'm uh, exaggerating for comedic polygons. effect. But, uh, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, ah, gosh, I, I, feel like you're, uh, I feel like your old man is showing a little bit um, by uh, picking at the, at the character's costume like that. Look, I mean, like I said, she's she's very nice to look at. And I think so. The joke is that they all end up they all choose what they think is going to be a good fit for them. And they all end up in like sort of grossly opposite of what they were expecting, except maybe the rock character. Right. Who's just grossly opposite of what his, you know, real life character is. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the Bethany chooses curvy uh curvy genius right yes and it turns out that it's jack black right like i get that and as like a one hitter joke right where it's like oh you know karen gillen shows up and she's dressed slutty right that's funny that's right that's mean i think sexy is not slutty inappropriate for the jungle is the joke and um but you know okay 
so inappropriate for the jungle. As someone who is very but, like sex positive, I don't I don't want to. And also like living in West Hollywood, where you know it's fine for men to win, wear skimpy shorts and tank tops. So I don't want to I don't want to shame anybody for doing that. Not even in a not even in a movie. I'm not shaming anybody for doing that either. I'm saying that her character is explicitly upset about being dressed like that. Right. But doesn't do anything to change it. I think the point is that she learned. And the reason and the reason is that she's nice to look at. Sure. That's it. Okay. There's... But there, but there, that also the reason is, is that in the video game, that's what her character looks like. And yeah, you can be upset about it, but you can't be upset all the time at something. And that's kind of a life lesson where, you know, it doesn't do anybody any good to be upset at your, uh, your circumstance, right? Your circumstance is what it is and you can change it, adapt to it or, or quit or, you know, just not live life right and i guess what i'm saying is that the adaptation that she does to it does not ring true for me you know i think she learns to appreciate her actual beauty uh in her in her real life and her character her 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 teenage character is not ugly in any way she's a little frumpy but that's because you know she kind of has poor self-esteem but learning uh you know being in this in this beautiful body helps her i don't know become a stronger person in her real body. I, I, I found it, I found it nice. Yeah. I don't have any more points. Like no, no more notes. Like that's, that, that's how I felt about it. Like there were really just a couple of relatively minor things. Yeah. Some of the things that surprised me as a, like, I, I didn't remember how effective the emotional uh, kind of ending was especially when they go to uh, Alex's house, Alex, the boy who's been trapped in there for 20 years, they go to his house and, and he rolls up to the door with a family and it's a, and it's actually played by a young Colin Hanks. I'm yeah, not young, but it's played by Colin Hanks who looks so much like his dad. It's crazy. But, um, and he kind of recognizes them and pokes and picks them out. And it's like, Oh, you must be uh, you know, must be fridge and you must be Bethany. And, I don't know. Something about that moment was really emotionally yeah. resonant for me. And yeah, that really that was really well handled. I I was kind of shocked at that. And then um, I liked how Spencer and uh, Martha ended up getting together, and um, and that felt. Oh, earned. actually, you know what? I did that feel earned because I felt like that was just like, well, we're the two dorks, uh, like. So it was funny because in game they're like he's like oh I've liked you and she's like I've liked you and I was like I did not get that at all from the pre going into that's the because game you have of... always been cool Matthew uh, as a dork <laughs> let me assure you that it is really tough to let the people know that who you're into that you're into them and uh, I really identified with those with both of those characters and their their truths. Okay, and I thought of another thing. Yes. Uh, I felt like the, the visual effects, so I, I'm not going to say they were bad, right? They were uneven, right? Yeah, a little bit. Somet- sometimes it felt like they were really going for like a cartoony, big, you know, almost mask-like special effect. And sometimes it felt like they were really trying and just missing the mark. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like they were like, okay, here's our list of like, you know, 60 VFX shop shots. We're going to send six shots off to where six scenes off to 
each of 10 different VFX shops yeah. and they're just going to do their thing and then we're going to get it back. Like it just felt like it didn't feel like there was continuity. Well, but you know, in Matthew, that's pretty effects. much how it works, Matt. I know. Um, and it's know, probably more it, like, you know, it's probably more like a thousand VFX shots in a movie like this. Um, no, I, I know I wasn't. Well, but you're saying it right, and I think what happened is it, you probably get some inconsistency there. So your 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 eye is spot on, I think, and um, yeah. you're seeing that quite right. I I did wrestle for a long time about the ending and about the fact that um, that Alex didn't go back with him, and I always thought that it was a like inconsistency with the way the game worked, um, because in my mind I'm like, well, when Robin Williams came out. Um, of Jumanji, he was old out of his time and he came out. And so why wouldn't Alex be old and out of his time when he came out? And what I realized was that, uh, that at the end of the original movie, Jumanji, Robin Williams gets back to his childhood. Doesn't he? Oh, okay. I got to admit, I, it's, I'm pretty sure. And so I think I, I think I remembered it wrong. And thus my problem with the continuity is, was, was incorrect. And so this does stand up to uh, scrutiny as far as that's concerned. Um, speaking of which, I like that they wrap in the original movie. And so um, mm-hmm. uh, Nick Jonas's character is actually living in um, Al- uh, Parrish. Um, I can't remember what his name is. Um, his, his like tree house that he built in, the, oh, in Jumanji, okay. which I thought was kind of neat. So nice. they tie in the original movie. And so it actually is uh, kind of part of the world. So, Matt, do you want to give it a rating? I absolutely would like to give it a rating. I did spend a little time thinking about what I wanted to do because my stated rules for ratings are 1 through 10. I'm using the whole scale. Okay. And no half ratings. Yeah, of course. 10 is enough. Yeah, 10 is enough, enough numbers. numbers. Sure. Okay. But I really wanted to give this a 7.5, right? Um, and I, I spend a lot of time going, well, I'm not going to give it a seven and a half. Nope. It has to be a seven or an eight. Yep. Uh, what does it, it, what does it deserve more? Cause I do feel like this is a seven and a half movie, but I feel like, I feel like this movie is a seven. Okay. Just with, with the few problems that I had with it and sort of, and sort of like the low, I feel like if I was going into this movie expecting to be like, wowed i would have been disappointed right mm-hmm. it was because i went to it went into it going yeah i mean it's a rock movie jumanji like it's you know i'm i'm expecting to laugh a few times and i'm expecting not to have to throw popcorn at the screen right, right. yeah and so with those expectations you know it certainly it exceeded those expectations but it's still it's still got the benefit so i'm gonna give it a seven all right that's fair i think that uh, for me I rated it on IMDb as an 8, but I might actually, on my second viewing that I did this week, reduce that to a 7, just because just because it surprised me that it was so good. It was much better than I expected it to be, but now on my second viewing, I'm finding, I'm finding flaws. And so an 8 for me is a movie that I will definitely watch again with gusto. Um, that's 8s, 9s, 10s. 7s are really good movies. I may see it again. Um, but I might not be in a hurry to watch it again. And I think this falls really solidly into that category and, uh, happy to recommend it to people. think it's worth watching, but, um, but maybe not, you know, maybe not like super solid. One thing I did, I do have a problem with was the fact that 
since Jumanji became a video game, and they made a big point of the fact that all five characters relied, you know, in order to win, they all had to work together. But, like, how is any one person, like, how was Alex ever expected to win the game by himself, you know? So that bothers me a little bit. Like, the, the game basically tortured this kid because he went in alone, which, if he was a loner, is, like, extra torturous. So, yeah. Well, and what what kind of game system has five controllers? Yeah, that was the other thing. Like, you know, even in the 90s, having a, having four controllers was pretty extreme. So, uh, yeah. so, yeah, that was another issue for sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a seven for me. But uh, yeah. great. Well, let's nice. move on. I think. Wait, wait, wait. What? We have to. We have to just put a pin in this moment. I think that's the first time we've both given anything the same rating. Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe. I think that's probably yeah. true. Uh, and it right. won't be the last. So <laughs> here's hoping. Here's hoping. Uh, well, it's, I mean, statistically speaking, if we do this long enough, it won't be the last. Um, the um, okay. The next thing we're going to talk about is uh, the song that, or the or the music, or the the audio. I'm gonna I'm gonna give this to you. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce you. This. Do it, ladies and gentlemen. I gave Travis one song this week, one song to listen to, but I told him he had to give it his full attention. It is a 16 minute long song called "The Dead Flag Blues" by. Uh, 1990s post-rock Canadian band Godspeed You Black Emperor All right Travis that's what it you got? that's the only that's the only introduction you're going to give it well I, it doesn't need any more introduction okay so first of all it's one track i i do i do want to push back at the idea that it's one song because the track has uh, at least two or three breaks in it where the 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 type of music, the pace, everything changes. It's essentially four songs in one track. That's what I'm going to say here. Okay. So um, okay. I listened to this at your recommendation. The first time I listened to it was on my hike. I went to the top of the Wisdom Tree here in L.A., which is a uh, is a mountain hike. You can it's up by the Hollywood sign. You can hike up. It's you know a good eight hundred thousand feet high, and from that vantage point you can see the entire L.A. basin out to the ocean downtown and then from the other direction you can see the san fernando valley it's really beautiful and i went yeah we get the point you put the work in you put the work i did and i went up there and i and i sat down and i put my earbuds in and i sat and listened to this um 16 minute thing and um and, and and really tried to absorb it i also listened to it once more whilst on my bike because I wanted to give it a, I wanted to give it as do it, like I do most of the things that uh, we listen to, and uh, I listened to it on my bike, thinking that th- just another kind of uh, situation might be interesting to you know process the music differently. And then I listened to it again when I got home while I was kind of making dinner and uh, and and puttering around. Okay. The first time I listened to it, I was. First of all, struck by how uh, calming it is. It's a very it's 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 a meditation song, and uh, it's something like um, uh, it's 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 almost like those like if you listen if you have the Calm app on your phone or, mm-hmm. or on your you know whatever. It's almost like a meditation music that you're listening to, and the guy's voice. And I think he's is he Native American. 
I actually don't know anything at all about the spoken word at the beginning of it. Uh, it he's not a member of the band. Oh, okay. It's a it's, a, it's a, like found audio. Oh, interesting. Well, the, it sounds like a Native American voice. The accent is what uh, is what triggered me on that. Um, and not triggered, but like flag t- tuned me in. I don't know how to say that. Um, but you can just say triggered. It's fine. And uh, so uh, so this this really kind of low rumbling like. Uh, voice doing this doing this spoken word poem and the music is calm and uh, uh it's pretty chill right and so i found myself zoning out i'm on the top of a mountain i'm zoning out and uh and the the problem is is i had to turn up the volume all the way in order to hear some of the stuff early on in the song and then about halfway through another like it goes silent and then the next track starts with a like a train horn that is entirely too loud for my ears and and then it has some like screeching sounds that were kind of painful to listen to so my advice if you're going to listen to this song is don't have your volume all the way up all right turn it down to like 80 percent. you might miss some stuff but you won't be hurt by the stuff that is too loud um and and I and I I zoned out very completely while I was up on that mountain listening to it, um, listening to it again as I had my other things to do, which was not your suggestion, but I just wanted to try it in a different context. I think I enjoyed it more as kind of background for my own activities. Mm-hmm. Sure, it's it's not something I'll ever listen to again. <laughs> I just honestly I can't think of a circumstance where I would uh, and I'm kind of so curious what let, yours are why 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 this song why do I why do I love this well uh, I love this for a lot of reasons I was exposed to it in my early 20s uh, I think I might have been 20 actually and uh, I was definitely trying to sort of explore music that was like less popular. This, incidentally, this debut album, uh, I don't know if you know what Pitchfork is, but mm-hmm. it's a pretty influential online review site. And especially in the late 90s and early 2000s, uh, a Pitchfork review could definitely sell a ton of an album and, and make something popular almost all by itself. Uh, and this the album that this is off of F sharp, A sharp infinity is one of the few albums to get a 10.0 rating from, from oh, pitch for interesting. Um, and so, you know, it's, it was a different kind of music. It's still guitar based sort of, uh, or at least the guitars figure prominently in a lot of it. Um, there are, it's almost sound collage in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah, and I find it, yeah, I find it really interesting. They do a lot of like slow orchestral builds. There's a lot of like cello mm-hmm. and a violin, um, you know, sort of building up intensity and then releasing it. Um, the rest of the album is is also fantastic. But I figured you might murder me if I gave you 45 minutes of this to listen to <laughs> instead of only 15. Fair, fair. Um, and uh yeah i just i love that it is it's funny because you're right that i absolutely do not listen to this uh very often right uh but when you're in the right mood for it i the reason i 
asked you if you could drive out to the desert to listen to it mm-hmm. is because there was a time when I was making the drive from Phoenix to Tucson. Uh, so I 10 middle of the night, uh, you know, super dark. Wow. Listening to this album and just, uh, you know, feeling it. It's very powerful, you know? Yeah. It's, it's powerful. I can see it being, I can see it being one of two things. I can see it either being a very powerful mental kind of like, um, almost a, a massage on your brain, but like a nice gentle massage, but or, and that can do one of two things. That can, like, invigorate you, or it can put yeah. you right to sleep. Yeah. And... Yeah. Uh, no, this is... I, I. It's almost like it's good music for achieving an altered state without, without using, like, drugs or alcohol, right? Just sort of... Yeah, like you know, yeah. you talked about meditative, right? Mm-hmm. It is it is meditative and Absolutely. you know, one of the things that we meditate for is to calm ourselves, but another thing is just to uh, you know, change the way we think, right? Hmm. And to sort of achieve a, a different mental state and uh that that I think is something that this music is is pretty good at. I will agree with that. And I think that if uh, if our, if you our viewer want to experience something like that where you are listening to something and really kind of ch- changing the way your brain waves are are going i i think this would be a good recommendation sure i i definitely felt that happen when i was sitting on the top of the mountain listening to it looking out over the la basin yeah however if i were rating it <laughs> well i mean no not not to be mean or anything i i i, I think that objectively this is probably not something i would listen to i i wouldn't seek this out um just because again the i listen to podcasts when i'm puttering around you know when i'm biking when i'm driving whatever so i'm not the type of person to listen to music so for me it's not for me and um on that scale i'd probably give it like a you know i don't know a three or something um Mm -hmm. But on the scale of just on its own, like if I can be objective about its musical value, um, I think I would probably give just this track a seven. And I think it's not higher because of the fact that you can't listen to it at one volume. If you want to appreciate the first part, you have to have your volume up. If you but if you keep your volume up, you're going to get your ears screeched at, which is not pleasant. And so I think that is something that I didn't like. So that brings it down to a seven. So like, if I'm going to give one score, I'll put it smack in the middle at a five to mix my two scores together. Okay. Uh, I So it's funny. I would agree with Pitchfork that this album is a 10. Uh, but this song alone, without the rest of the album, I would give an eight to. I really like this song, but I do think it sits well as part of the the longer work. And at, as ju- it's funny because I get to the end of this like sixteen minutes, and I'm like, "Where's the rest? Yeah, where where there, I, there's supposed to be more." You know, it's interesting because I will say when I was listening to it up on the hill, I think it did autoplay into a different song by the same people, and it was oh, a okay. much louder sound song that mm-hmm. was actually yeah. kind of unpleasant to listen to. Um, but I, <laughs> um, but it was different. They do have those. <laughs> yeah. So um, 
Yeah, interesting. So you, you rate this an eight, you said. This song, I would give an eight. Okay, yep. great, great. Well, that's a that's a seven, that's a five and an eight. It's not bad for a, for yeah. a good song. Yeah, and a seven's on Jumanji. Um, oh, wow. Whew, interesting week. Interesting yeah. week. Uh, next yeah. week, however, is going to be even next more interesting. Next week is a very special week. Next week yeah. is our 10th episode. 10th episode, 10th anniversary, basically. It's... And so we want to do a very special episode of Exposing Ourselves. And uh, so what we're going to do is something a little bit different. Instead of recommending a movie or an album that we love to the other, we are going to recommend a movie or an album that we haven't listened to. So we will both be listening to something and watching something that neither of us have seen or heard yet. I'm super excited about this. I'm so excited to find out what movie you are assigning that you haven't haven't seen. I I, I honestly haven't. I've, I've only given a little bit of thought to it, and I keep on I keep on settling on this movie that um, I haven't seen. It was critically acclaimed, and I haven't seen it yet. And I I kind of want to see it, but also wouldn't watch it on my own like without a reason okay. without an assignment without telling me <laughs> so without you know so like i'm almost giving myself this assignment as well as you have you seen the movie the revenant with uh leonardo dicaprio and tom hardy is this the bear movie this is the bear movie yeah yeah this is the bear movie okay uh uh i'm a little scared is this, I, I i thought this is a horror movie is this a horror movie no, no, it's it's a drama. Leonardo DiCaprio oh, wouldn't drama. be in a horror movie, I don't think. And uh, no, famously, he is mauled by a bear okay. somewhere in this movie. Okay, and I I think it might be a CGI bear. It might be a real bear. I'm not sure. I honestly I hope he's not. Don't know, I hope they don't didn't remember much about Leo this. with a real bear. So I do remember that I think he was nominated for an Oscar for it. I don't know if this is the movie he won the Oscar for. Uh, we'll talk about that next week, yeah. but um, yeah. So uh, I feel the I'm a little concerned. I do occasionally have dreams about uh, being attacked by large uh, carnivores. So really, uh, yeah, yeah. That's fascinating. Ti- We're definitely going to talk us- about that. It's usually lions and tigers, but anyways. Okay, well, let's not go bears. Oh my, <laughs> not not bears. Um, let's move on to the to the album. So okay. there is uh so are you a fan of Death Cab for Cutie? I've no, but Have I've ever, heard of them. You've heard of them? Okay. I've heard they, of them, yeah. There's a 2003 album by Death Cab. There it's considered their best album. It's called Transatlanticism and I have okay. never heard it. I've heard a couple oh, I've heard gosh. one or two of the songs off of it, but I've never heard the album. Um so those of you who know what a ridiculous indie rock head I am are probably uh, scoffing right now, but I never became a Death Cab fan. I was a huge Modest Mouse fan, huge Built to Spill fan, huge Decemberist fan, but for some reason Death Cab was like, oh no, I'm too cool for Death Cab or whatever. Mm. Uh, and and so I never got into them, but now I feel like there's this big hole in my knowledge. So uh, there's a song on there called uh, The Sound of Settling or something like that that I have heard. Uh, uh-huh. But I have not heard the whole album, so I'm really excited to finally fill this hole in my knowledge. And, oh my! Uh, I think you'll Me like too. This. I'm yeah. I'm excited to listen to things that you haven't listened. I'm mean, first both to discover this uh, together. Yeah, this will be fun. And, yeah, I I had given thought. We had discussed the idea of of me recommending music to you uh-huh. and you recommending a movie to me. Yeah. Um, but I think we 
we and we may do that like in the future but yeah. that seems like a much Episode harder proposition yeah i don't under, i don't know what album i could possibly recommend to you that you are not aware of uh, uh, the 2003 album Transatlanticism by Death Cab for Cutie. Well, but I've I, I've never listened to it, so I can't <laughs> recommend it because it's not like it's not something I love. The only thing I could think of was like uh, there there used to be a. Do, do you remember a band called Two N U? Um, they they did a song called Ponderous. No. Um, back in this would have been back when we were in middle school or high school or something okay. like that. Nah, no. And. Um, that sprang to mind, but <laughs> that's pretty obscure. It's, it's weird. It's weird. But anyway. All right, Matt. Well, thank you for exposing yourself to me. Thanks, Travis. Thank you for exposing yourself to me. All right. Well, we'll see you uh, in episode 10 next week. Thank you uh, and have a wonderful evening. Yep. Good night. Everybody. Or day. Have a whole good time. No, only good night. Good night.